I now treat my body like a friend that I want to help. I don't punish her. I don't shame her. I don't, I do my best not to judge her. I treat her like my best friend that I'm like, all right, girl, you're talking to me. What do you need? The truth is, kids, <laughs> you must divorce yourself from your parents mm -hmm. to graduate from child archetype to adult archetype and complete the maturation process. Divorce yourself from your parents, from their opinions of you. Divorce yourself from the expectation that they will do or provide something for you or that you are bound to provide for them. All right. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi and I have my beautiful blue-eyed partner in life, in love, in business, and in podcasting. My what else is there? <laughs> it's true. What's going on, yeah. everybody? This is Chase. So glad to be back on the Medicine Podcast. And first legitimate podcast yeah. video yeah. that we are doing. Yeah. In our in our decked out new studio. New studio. Um, I'm wearing a shirt, which is rare. <laughs> um, this might be the only time that I wear sleeves. Yeah. Um, but I thought for the first one, I'd kick it off with, with uh, a nice white tee that has our logo on it. Yeah. I love it. You yeah. look good. Thanks. And now we have the, the video to prove it. Totally. Guys, we're stoked for this episode. Um, you know, we've been, we've been talking a lot lately about like, what would we have told ourselves in our teens and twenties? Yeah. We also get that question a lot. We like do. when we're on other podcasts and stuff. Right. What would we have told ourselves to like, you know, help ourselves for the future? And I'm sure everybody's familiar with that question. They've either thought about it or been asked that question before. And it kind of distills down to what we've talked about before, which is we are like a remote control to like a video game. And when we're kids in our you know first 10 years of life, let's say, we are being programmed by our environment, by our family, our parents, our school, the sports mm -hmm. teams that we play for. We are being programmed with a set of buttons, if you will. Mm -hmm. And those buttons get played by life as you are somewhat unconsciously going through the rhythms of life as you know it. There will be certain environmental factors, certain individuals that you come across that might press one of those buttons. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you unconsciously express yourself in a particular way once that button is pressed. And you go, holy shit, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Well, it comes from that programming. Yeah. The uh, moments where you're like, shit, I just said some, I just sounded like my dad there. And it never goes away. Yeah. Life continues to change. And one of the things that I think we found, we definitely found it in our marriage, was that those adult buttons that are programmed when you're a kid, oddly enough, express themselves at the most inopportune times mm -hmm. um, in the in the form of heated conversation with someone you love the most. And all of a sudden a button gets pressed and you're the asshole version of a narcissist that programmed that button into you when you were a kid. Maybe it was a coach, maybe it's a parent, whatever. And so what we're really going to be talking about today, and I think this is wildly important, we've danced around it a little bit in other episodes, is what would we essentially say were the, were the core lies that are embedded within the, the yeah. childhood programming mm -hmm. that we uh, have maintained? 
how have we found truth, kind of the, the, the counter to these lies, and how have we been rewiring these programs mm-hmm. um, from childhood until now? Yeah. And I think, you know, as we get into the episode, um, you know, talking about the lies that we believed is important. Even if we want to get to another, uh, even if we want to change something, we want to evolve, we want to grow in some way. I really think it is important to identify the root or the the core lie that we believed because, you know, we've, we've talked about this many times. It's like, you have to know where the problem, like go upstream, go backwards into your childhood, into your programming. Like, where did this even start for me? Once we understand like the environment (laughs) in which that lie started, it's easier to name it and kind of like tame it, name it, tame it. And like, okay, that's not the truth. This is the truth. And this is how I'm going to continue on from here. But if you never you know, identify where it comes from, man, it's really hard to change sometimes. Totally. We talk about it all the time. We're in a world of dealing with and spending all of our time with the downstream flooding of upstream problems. And so, yeah, that's the point. We're getting upstream. We're identifying where this thing comes from. And even if it's just that today, even Mm -hmm. if it's just that, that's enough. Yeah. Well, before we get into it, I got to know, my love, what do you got going on in your cup? In my mushy mug today. I have a delicious mixture of Organifi Harmony, which is like a really rich cacao drink with a bunch of amazing badass herbs that really support the body. Um, it's It was a product that was made for women, but I know you drink it as well. It's delicious. Uh, it's a product that really helps support the uh, hormonal uh, robustness, the hormonal health uh, of you know specifically women, but it can help it can help men as well. So it's this cacao uh, mixture. Then I have about a scoop of mushy love, so mm. that adds some creaminess, some cinnamon, um, some cinnamon flavor, and then just hot water and a little raw milk. And so uh, this has three different mushrooms in it: reishi and tremella and chaga and it tastes like a chocolate cinnamon muffin it's so Ooh. good yeah and it's kind of like stormy out today usually mm-hmm. i go with like a cold drink in here when we podcast but i needed a, a warm drink so I, I heated it up and it's it's all nice and warm it's yeah. like a warm hug yeah san diego weather is is stormy and rainy and mm-hmm. windy in this moment um, yeah. yeah, that's killer. Super delicious. Um, if you guys want to try this mixture, we have, you know, as you guys know, a discount code for uh, Organifi. It is Mimi Fit, M-I-M-I-F-I-T, gets you 20% off. And then uh, the Mushy Love, if you haven't tried it yet, Mushy Love is our baby. It's our uh, mushroom product that we created from scratch. Highest quality mushrooms, highest quality ingredients, really simple, no weird sweeteners, no weird fillers. It's just straight up cinnamon swirly gold. It's delicious. Um, so if you want to grab some mushy love, then you can go to getmushylove.com and we have a um, we have a, a discount code for our medicine listeners. You can use the code medicine for 10% off. Love it. Yeah. What you got going on in your cup, my love? Well, in my cup, I pretty much have the same thing minus the 
uh, cacao situation. So I just went with Mushy Love Latte, a nice rounded scoop uh, with about um, six to seven ounces of hot water topped off with a little raw milk. Yum. Yeah, it's delicious. This is the, what do we call this one? The uh, the cinnamon roll? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the cinnamon roll uh, in liquid form. I absolutely love that the only thing that is sweetened about this product is the organic maple sugar. Mm-hmm. I have been down the rabbit hole of alternative sweeteners, and even the ones like stevia and monk fruit eventually upset my stomach. In fact, there's a bunch of data that's been coming out around long-term use of these types of sweeteners still having this sort of like weird response with with blood sugar and insulin and and even like endocrine disruption, mm-hmm. um, surely gut disruption. And so organic maple sugar has been an absolute just a lifesaver to find and implement into this product. It really brings out um, a little bit of the sweetness when it's uh, accompanied by cinnamon and by uh, kind of the more earthy flavor of the mushrooms uh, really to give this this balanced like delicious mm-hmm. sweet but not too sweet experience yeah because the the intention is to pair it with your favorite milk and yeah. milk is kind of sweet by nature so if you if it was if mushy love was really sweet to start out with and then people are mixing it with their favorite like vanilla almond right. milk or coconut milk or whatever it is it it gets even more sweet um, if it's not sweet enough for your particular liking then you can always add whatever sweetener you want more of but we get the feedback all the time that people are really happy that we didn't make it super sweet totally so that makes me and happy. a gram of mushrooms holler getting over a gram of mushrooms a day in my life yeah. and uh, tremella being just the the absolute winner we've had um i mean too many too many reviews and, and feedback to count around the benefits that people are feeling from mm-hmm. this product like my skin, my hydration, uh, my digestion, my energy. And yeah. so, um, guys, if you if you love Mushy, let us know. We want to hear about it. Um, if you uh, want to hit us up with any other questions, we are so open for, for feedback and dialogue. Um, and uh, we just so appreciate any any sort of feedback or uh, exchange that you give us, either, yeah. either with the products or with uh, the podcast, um, you know, as we're growing this thing. Give a give a subscribe on the, on the YouTube channel, um, as well as a, a share on your Instagram if you feel so compelled. And uh, we are in this thing to grow and help others um, in their journeys. Yeah, I didn't tell you this, but. Um we've shared them before. If you do leave a review for the medicine, whether it's on Spotify or, or iTunes or Apple, I guess, um, if you leave a review and you take a screenshot and send it to the medicine podcast at gmail.com, we send you a a personalized gift. It's a surprise. You never know what it's going to be. Well, someone left us a review. We had a couple come in last week and we sent them gifts. Um, I sent them both a bottle of HCC. I was feeling really generous that day, sent them a bottle of HCC and I got three voice memos back from this. uh, I'm going to give her a shout out Jillian. She was over the moon. Wow. So appreciative. And she was just like, I I can't, you know, believe your guys' generosity. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I just had like a stupid grin on my face listening to her because she's been listening to us for a while and hadn't tried HCC Mm. yet. And this was her, her, um, first time trying it. And anyway, she was just really, really happy. So if you guys want a legit, 
you know, personalized yeah. gift. We, we, it means that much to us totally. when people give us reviews, like heartfelt reviews and, you know, share how, how the medicine has helped your life. We, it really does make a difference. And, uh, so we, we like to, uh, show our gratitude. I love that. Yeah. Well, I think it's important, uh, before we jump in to back up a little bit, uh, if anybody's new to the medicine, if anybody's watching on YouTube for the first time, um, giving a little bit of a background to our story. Um, we are childhood sweethearts, literally mm -hmm. teenagers falling in love yeah. in the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> uh, living the dream, middle-class America, suburb life. Um, and we fall madly in love in high school and, uh, we date through college. We are very heavily encouraged to get married before, um, we move in together after we graduate. And, uh, uh, that is because we come from a very evangelical Christian community, mm -hmm. um, generally conservative in nature, uh, gr great, beautiful people all in all, but, but really embedded in this Christian culture. We get married, uh, we moved to Seattle, Washington, and three years into our marriage, we find ourselves spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally disconnected, disconnected mm -hmm. from ourselves, from each other and leads to a divorce. Mm -hmm. I split up uh, from you and we moved down, or I moved down to Southern California. We're like, I'm never gonna see you <laughs> ever again. And uh, we don't, we don't, we, we literally move on um, and tunnel our way into even further depths of what we call our health hell holes. <laughs> yeah. um, only to both hit breaking points and yeah. find um, mindfulness, uh, holistic health, yeah, adaptogens like mushrooms, uh, communities of people who believe in, in something radically different than what we grew up with, but um, more abundant and beautiful than we ever thought was possible. Mm -hmm. Only to then, three years after uh, being divorced, organically reconnect. Yeah, and um, so that's the kind of the framework of a lot of the things we're going to be talking about today as we as we speak to our younger selves. Mm -hmm. um, I think having that context as to where we've come from, yeah, um, is important. Yeah, and you know, I yeah, it, it sort of gives the backdrop of these lessons that we had to learn because I think most of what we're going to talk about today was lessons that were initiated while we were separated. Because we had both gotten to a point where I was like, well, that wasn't, that wasn't it. That clearly wasn't the way that right. I thought my life was going to go. I clearly don't know all the answers. We, we hit a breaking point, both of us, in, you know, independently, separately, where we were like, all right, I'm open. And so we, we opened ourselves to start tearing down some of the structures I internally, you know, inside of us and externally, things that we were latched onto. So that's kind of the, the backdrop of, of what we're going to talk about today. Totally. Yeah. So we're each going to take turns going through what these lies, these core lies were, mm -hmm. um, how we've been able to reframe them into a truth and uh, the, the rewiring steps that we've been taking yeah. uh, to integrate some of these these lessons or these truths into our life. Yeah. And I wanted to start with a quote from Young Pueblo. Um, he's one of my favorite authors. Uh, this, this quote comes from his book, Clarity and Connection. And I, I just thought it was a great kind of summation of 
everything that we're going to talk about today. He says, next time you feel agitated because you are falling back into past patterns, remember that simply being aware that you are repeating the past is a sign of progress. Self-awareness comes before the leap forward in your personal transformation. I love that because it highlights the truth that exists for all of us where it's like, before we can change anything in our life, we have to take inventory. We have to be self-aware of where we're currently at and really yeah. honest with ourselves. Where, where am I currently at? What are my patterns? Um, Paul Check says this all the time, but I think he's quoting Carl Jung. Um, he says, if you don't like the way that your life is going, look very carefully at your unconscious patterns, at your unconscious choices. And so that requires a lot of self-awareness. So I just wanted to lead with that because we're talking about things that happened over years. Yeah. Once you become aware, that's not it. That's not the end of the road. You have to acquire the knowledge, but then also acquire the tools and the practices to rewire some of those neural networks, those, those pathways in your brain that get grooved so deeply. Yep. So that's what we're, we're also going to be sharing is like, how are we putting this into practice such that it becomes second nature to where we don't have to think about it as much? Yep. Awareness is the first step. You know, those buttons we talked about on the remote, yeah. on the remote control have been pressed and mm -hmm. you react. That's okay. Uh, it's about being aware of them and then graduating from awareness into integration on yes. change. Yeah. All right. I want to hear your first lie. First lie, <laughs> the core lie, the core lie that I believed. And this one's kind of in, uh, entangled with a couple. I believed that my worth was based on what I produced. Mm. How much money I made, how many cars I have, how uh, much I was able to lift in the gym. This is also kind of intertwined with this idea growing up that I was born into sin. Mm. that I was a sinner and that I had to achieve or earn my way out of some like spiritual human deficit. I, I also believe that the world was bad, that just life itself is bad. Other people are innately bad, which creates a reality of uh, one scarcity and fear of literally everything, whether, mm -hmm. whether you're conscious to it or not. And two guilt that you're not doing enough. Fear and guilt are wildly powerful energies yeah. <laughs> that can lead to some pretty freaking awful decision-making. Which we've seen the last three years. Fear and guilt have ran the show. Totally. So reframing this, working on this, shining this up, the truth, the, the, the counter to this is that you are worthy of love and respect simply for being the most honest version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of talking to myself in like, yeah. you know, third person here. You don't have to be something or succeed at something that does not feel authentic to you. Like you don't need to fit inside the box is what I'm trying to say. And you surely don't have to accumulate money, degrees, jobs, friends, other achievements, women in order to be considered valuable or worthy of love. So how have I been rewiring this? How do I continue to work on this today? I think first and foremost is listening to my intuition. 
getting lost in what you love. Mm-hmm. All of those, you know, things that I've been talking about that I need to achieve. And, and, and I still have to like reposition myself out of thinking this, like, uh, once I get, uh, you know, the cold plunge in my house and, and <laughs> once I get my, the other property that I have that I can grow, uh, you know, biodynamic uh, food off of in the Northwest and it's completely off the grid, then I'll be free. Then I'll be safe and, and I'll have done enough. I still am working on this constantly. Those things, if you realign your target and you become aware, will be the byproduct of integrity and hard work. Mm -hmm. I fully believe that. Also, removing the attachment to fixed outcomes. Having money, a specific job, specific possessions, or specific people in your life is a very fixed outcome attachment. Again, I would say get lost in what you love. Like I'm speaking to myself in in my early 20s as Mm -hmm. I'm starting my career. Dude, find some time where you lose track of time. Yeah. Try to forget the finish line and be only concerned with the process. What do you keep coming back to regardless of what the outcome leads to? Stay there. Mm -hmm. Get intoxicated by the process. I also think... I would tell myself to acknowledge when I feel that lack, when I feel afraid or I feel guilty. I don't think it's healthy to just block and stifle emotions altogether. So let them, without reacting to them externally, let them play out inside of yourself and observe them. It's okay to allow it to pass, but do not let it dictate your choices or how you view yourself. This is Something that came up for me when you were talking a few minutes ago is especially for the masculine, you know, you're talking about get lost in what you love, find what you love, listen to your intuition, lean into what lights you up, right? That's highlighting purpose and how critical purpose is for a man because certainly we all know you were one of them we all know the men who go for the sexy, shiny, glitzy, glamour job maybe in finance or whatever. And they make a lot of money, but that's, they don't feel like that's their purpose. Like they're in alignment with what their soul is telling them. Like this is my purpose right now. It's a job. It's not your purpose. Right. Right. And so you can make all the money. You can have all the status type things, but you're not necessarily going to feel that fulfillment because it's not necessarily your, your purpose. Yeah. And, I think when people in general, but you know, in this case, you know, speaking to the masculine, when you lean into what you love and you find that purpose, you love it so much, you want to keep doing it. It doesn't feel like work as much. So it's a, you know, as a, uh, it's a labor of love. So you're, you have your purpose and you love it. And the byproduct is money is a career. Perhaps this is about worth. This, this concept is about worth. And an embodied purpose filled life is the gift that keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. It is energy providing. You can spend an entire day doing something and you're done with the day and you're like, man, I can't wait to do that tomorrow. Or like, damn, I wish there was more time in the day to do this. Different from my worth is based on outcome where I'm grinding to achieve something only to realize that it's not satiating and not fulfilling such that I need double, triple, quadruple in order to convince myself that it's been enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. All right. I got to hear from you. You're first. 
core lie and what would you tell yourself now? (laughs) All right. The first lie that I'm going to talk about today is I can't trust myself. I am not a trustworthy person. I can't trust my own intuition. And I'll give a little bit of backstory of, of why I came to this. Like, where did this lie come from? I felt this at its deepest following our divorce. Um, and then also when I hit my health hellhole rock bottom, I was evaluating like, okay, <laughs> I destroyed my marriage, unhappy, um, I'm clearly not healthy. I'm my hair is falling out. My face is blowing up in acne. I can't digest my food. I have a rash on half my body. Clearly, I'm not healthy. Clearly, my marriage didn't work out the way that I I thought it was going to. I was in such a low place that I I another lie within this lie was, okay, if my actions and judgment got me to this place where I am today, now here, quite unhappy and feeling very unbalanced and broken, how am I ever supposed to trust myself? I'm not, I'm not trustworthy. My judgment and my intuition is, is not trustworthy. So the conclusion that I came to was, okay, clearly I'm untrustworthy. So whenever I get the urge to do something or the intuition to do something, I'll just do the opposite. And that must be right. (laughs) Just like try to wrap your mind around what a mind fuck that is because you just go back and forth. Well, I'm listening to my intuition here, but I I know that I don't have good judgment. So maybe I should do this and that. And then you second guess it. And it's just a swirling, just, dumpster fire. Well, I think it's wildly relevant because we're in a world of if you speak your opinion, you can get crucified for it. Yeah. We're also in a world that tells you to stay in your lane, stay in your corner. Mm -hmm. You didn't become a doctor. You didn't become a lawyer or a, or a financial professional. God forbid you have a thought or opinion about one of those things if you don't have the credentials. Yeah. And so we're in this world of like, oh, I can't trust what I say. I haven't, I don't have the fucking resume for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get a degree in this. Right. Yeah. And, you know, most of this was just my own life choices. It was just like, how am I showing up in the world? And uh, it was just, it was a very, very confusing time. So that was the the bed of lies. And the truth is that I've realized now, you know, speaking, if I could, what I would say to myself back then would be your soul is here to help guide you. I know you don't feel a connection to it right now, but it's imperative to develop a relationship with that aspect of yourself first before you can start listening and really understanding the voice of your intuition when it's truly balanced, not just necessarily like listening to the ego or programming. And so really developing a relationship with your soul, higher self, whatever you want to call it. I I like the word soul. This is what will help you create a magical, fulfilling life and relationship. Your soul is always acting in your best interest. 
You just need to learn how to recognize its voice and its nudges. Hey friends, by now you probably have picked up that Chase and I are committed to living optimally healthy lives. We are obsessed with small actions that have profound benefits for the entire body, which is why I'm super excited to share the benefits of ASEA with you. ASEA is classified as a cell signaling supplement, meaning that it supports cellular regeneration and communication. Our overall expression of health comes down to our individual cells and how they function. And with so many toxins, pesticides, and disruptors that unfortunately exist in our world, it's no wonder that the body starts to break down and express disease. We'd like to limit that disease expression if possible, and it is possible. ASEA is full of redox molecules. These redox molecules are the communication centers of your cells. We're born with redox molecules, but they steadily decrease over time. So ASEA redox comes in two different forms, used in different ways, but both have incredible capacity to help the body heal itself. There's a liquid and a gel. ASEA Redox Liquid is something we drink daily to increase our internal cellular communication and regeneration throughout the body. We've noticed that our digestion, sleep quality, and recovery after workouts has all improved. The gel is a topical product that can be used for pain or fast healing of injuries or skin issues. I personally use it on my face twice a day to promote smooth, nourished, clear skin. And honestly, my skin has never been softer or smoother in my life. I'm amazed. The gel also increases blood flow significantly. So TMI, but we love to use it before sex to increase blood flow and sensation. I won't get into all the details here, but wow, it really works. To learn more about how ASEA supports your entire body and see a full breakdown of uses, you can go to themedicine.com forward slash ASEA. That's A-S-E-A. Or you can just check the show notes, of course, for the direct link. We are committed to only sharing with you guys what has made a significant impact on our lives and overall well-being. Cheers to cellular health and cheers to ASEA. Okay, bye. So that's the truth that I've realized and how I'm, you know, really stepping into that and how I'm practicing that and rewiring my brain. Cause this one, um, definitely takes some practice. I mean, everything we're talking about today takes practice for sure. Um, so re rewriting this program started with, uh, an intentional, very drastic life change. So I was living in Seattle, working as a very busy dental hygienist, also a health coach on the side, feeling like I was living a double life because I couldn't figure out why my hair was falling out, but I could help people lose weight. Like it was so bad. Health does not equal weight. I think we'll get into that later. Yes. So I knew that I had to change. I knew that I had to make a big change. So I actually moved back home. I moved back in with my mom and her her husband, Tom. And I really just started to focus on my own health needs. So that was the first step in me rewiring this, was getting out of the environment that was contributing to my dis-ease. Um, and then I really you know, made stillness and meditation and mindfulness 
and daily study a a core value of my every single day. Like it was a non-negotiable. I was getting up and jumping into study, meditation, journaling, like reflection on what was happening inside of me. Um, and, and I didn't know it at the time. I wouldn't have called it this, but I was starting to create the space and the stillness to where I could hear my soul. Like my soul was in that moment, taking care of myself, knowing that I didn't even know, I wouldn't have even articulated that, that way as my soul, but that's what it was. So I allowed the space to hear my intuition, my soul, where previously I was just numbing and suppressing um, and then the next piece of the puzzle, which was unique to me in my in our story, but there might be something similar in someone else's journey. Uh, the next piece of the puzzle was you. And this was really like up until this point, I had just been, you know, practicing with myself with small decisions on a daily basis, small decisions like I'm going to like stop drinking and going out. You know, that just affects me. Um, but I was listening to my intuition that paid off. I started to feel better. So those choices up until that point just revolved around me. So, so now with you introduced back into my life, there was a lot of external noise about what we should or should not do counselors. And, you know, is this for real? And just kind of like chatter from people, like kind of doubting what was happening for us. And so this was like a test. This was when my internal world was now being met with external um, contradiction. Yeah, exactly. And so this was where the universe was really testing me like, okay, this is an opportunity for you to really listen to your intuition. And it could go really well. Or, you know, if you didn't like I, you know, wouldn't be here now. My life would be very different. These are big choices. So I guess my, my feedback or my, my takeaway for someone listening who's maybe navigating something like this is when you start to tune into your intuition, the universe, this sounds so woo, but like, it's true. Call it God, whatever you want to say, like your life will hand you opportunities, bigger tests to really listen to your intuition when it really, really matters. And so for us, I just had this noetic sense that I wasn't meant to be with anyone else. And I made that very clear to you. It was absolutely undeniable for me. And obviously it paid off in in listening to my my soul in that instance. Um, And because that was such a significant choice in my life and I I know that feeling of what my my soul sounds and feels like inside of me. Now I can use that as a barometer, you know, moving forward with yeah. other aspects of my life. And so since then, I've learned even more tools to interact with my soul on a regular basis through meditation, through stillness, journaling, time in nature, um, you know, some of the techniques that we learned from Paul Check at his workshops, shout out. So that, these all help my my uh, regular ongoing relationship with my soul. And, uh, you know, it, even not even just what the decisions that I'm making today, but confidence in myself that in the future, I will know what that sounds like. So even something like how we're going to raise our future child, like I don't know all the answers, but I know I'll be able to lean into my own intuition and its nudges, um, how we show up in our relationship um, how I, you know, how I step into what we're creating in the world. I really do my best to follow those intuitive nudges because, and I'm able to hear them because I have this daily practice of 
listening yeah. and creating the space for for those nudges to be heard. Yeah, I can trust myself. I can yeah. trust yeah. the the voice of my own intuition. And I think, you know, what comes up for me as you've as you've so beautifully articulated all of that is that if you don't listen or you just keep listening and not take any action, you might stay safe. Yeah. You might stay um in the path that a million other people have told you you yeah. should stay in and you might end up with the white picket fence in the suburbs with you know, a freaking uh, couple kids and a, and a dog and all that kind of uh, great stuff. Um, but you're missing out on, I think, what life is about, which is like creating your own path, p- put it, pulling on the cord of risk just slightly, you know, finding your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, what's the, what's the, the term? You can't find your center unless you found your edge. Yeah. And it's it's those types of little decisions to listen to your intuition. I think the other thing is and, and it's true and it's unfortunate that it's gotten just completely, you know, oversaturated, but this this idea in the self-development, personal development, spiritual space, which is like, you know, the vibration that you emit will come back to you yeah. from the universe. And it's on every fucking influencer's Instagram carousels. Um, but I think it's true. It's, it is. Um, but there's an element of it that's not talked about, which is sometimes when it comes back to you, what you're calling for, what you're asking for through manifestation or your vibration is like when it comes back to you, it's like, Oh fuck, that's really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Oh shit. That's really hard. So what's not talked about is like, it's probably not going to be easy. It might feel like you're at the top of the roller coaster mm-hmm. with butterflies in your throat mm-hmm. about ready to, you know, yeah. crush it. I think that that's actually that's a really good point because sometimes a lot of times listening to your intuition and making a decision actually isn't the most convenient choice. Yes. Yes. Like in our situation, getting back together with my ex-husband was the opposite of convenient. <laughs> right. Like it absolutely. But I'm not saying necessarily if it's inconvenient that that's the right choice. But oftentimes what's meant for us in the life that we want to create, it, we have to go through adversity. We have to go through those obstacles. Yeah. Like the obstacle is the way. Right. And if I would have been like, no, no one gets back together with their ex-husband. Like people just don't do that. It's unhealthy. I don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, Great book, by the way, Ryan Holiday. If you're listening, we'd love to have you as a guest on the medicine podcast. <laughs> what are you talking about? What book? The obstacle is the way. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that people un- yeah, understood. Yeah. yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, I think that I think that dovetails nicely into um, you know unpleasantry as it pertains to hard choices and a lot of these a lot of these rewiring decisions. So, mm-hmm. moving into the next lie uh, that I yeah. ha- had told myself and believed was that it's around my parents and my my family dynamic. So, I believed that my parents' stamp of approval was the primary source of validation for my life choices career, marriage, my religious choices, where I lived. And it's funny because like, I think if you would have asked me in my 20s, hey, do you think that your parents' approval is the primary source of validation for your life choices? Yeah. I'd have been like, fuck off. No, it's not. <laughs> but the way that I behaved and, yeah. the, and, the, and my inner dialogue, I think was evidence that I still held on to these beliefs. Yeah. And I think this is not uncommon for, for folks. And, and the thing is, I come from a beautiful family, a successful family, incredible parents, safe, stable. Um, 
middle class America. Like like I grew up with the '90s kid dream. It was it was freaking mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, but I believed that their approval of me was my primary source of validation. I also maintained the the belief in, and again, probably not consciously, but but deep in my subconscious, that my parents were responsible, or at least partially responsible for my successes and failures Mm. and that they either owed me or I owed them something. Mm. What I'm describing is a codependent relationship to my parents. The C word. word. (laughs) What is the truth? The truth is kids, (laughs) you must divorce yourself from your parents Mm -hmm. to graduate from child archetype to adult archetype and complete the maturation process Divorce yourself from your parents, from their opinions of you. Divorce yourself from the expectation that they will do or provide something for you or that you are bound to provide for them. Mm-hmm. So why this this can lead to uh, challenges is that you can become an adult where you are the, the world and kind of just the, the normal course of growth requires detaching from your your parents the people who cared for you the people who made sure that you were stable safe clean healthy but there is a natural maturation that requires separation maybe the rare family dynamic has parents that are conscious to this and they actually initiate some sort of rite of passage for the child Mm -hmm. to actually detach from them and become their own adult i would say that most in our culture do not Mm -mm. There's unfortunately lots of just neglect and abandonment as well, where there's no parent present at all. But there's this other side too, where there's just a really unhealthy dynamic of codependency, which will lead to, if you do not detach and divorce, it will lead to a roller coaster of emotions that will be dependent on uh, the perspective that your parents have of you. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The way that they might either guilt you or the way that you feel like you're constantly having to prove to them that you're worthy of their love and support, or maybe they don't give it to you at all, and so you're constantly, either consciously or unconsciously, doing something that you think will will give them or, or provide this stamp of approval. Yeah. And so for me, when I say divorce, I mean you have to f- kind of formally, in your mind, break up from them and then get back together as friends. Mm-hmm. like. Hashtag friends only. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Um, can I ask you a question there? Um, Because I'm sure there's someone listening who's like, yeah, I know that I need to, you know, make that leap, that divorce, whatever. But what would you say to the person whose parents like absolutely don't accept that? Like they're also in a codependent relationship. You know, that happens, you know, as well. It's not all, it's not usually just one way. And you know, the parent, I could see taking it as like offensive or like, you're doing this to hurt me or like, who are you? Like, I didn't raise this person. Um, you know, I need your respect, things like that. So, Uh, and that's when I was talking about this being unpleasant because it can be, and it requires just like breaking up with a significant other. It's, it's sticky. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to allow and honor that time and those emotions that come up. Yeah. So don't expect your your parents to take some of this communication um, easily or gently. It might trigger in them uh, a very reactionary state. Uh, and, and you just sort of need to let that play out and provide a safe container to uh, 
handle it. And I'll get into it in a minute when I talk about rewiring. And mm-hmm. so, and so I guess leading into rewiring this, I want to start with this quote from, from David data uh, in his book, the way of the superior man. And he's speaking to men here, but I think this applies to, to all children. A man must love his father and yet be free of his father's expectations and criticisms in order to be a free man. So what he's saying here is love for one's parent is vital to being balanced as an adult human being. Having love, appreciation, and gratitude, regardless of the family dynamic that you come from, for the people that chauffeured you into this life experience is a critical pillar to a balanced life. But there is also a level of freedom that is also critical to uh, a balanced human Mm -hmm. life that can only be achieved when you have removed yourself from fulfilling all expectations or being impacted by the criticisms of your parents. This is hard. (laughs) And so what it looked like for me was that it started with, you know, for instance, it was eating away at me that I was not a Christian and my parents were sort of assuming my family was just assuming that I was still a Christian. Yeah. Um, I consumed cannabis and it was actually vital in me getting through the pain of our divorce and, and using, using, uh, substances that have, have changed my, my mind and grown, uh, my, my personal development in, in more ways than I can even describe. And it was eating at me to not have this authentic relationship with my parents. Um, I felt like I had to conform to them. Like I was Mm -hmm. still a child and I'm, I'm here in my late twenties doing this. And so what this meant was, was for me a, a literal decision to be very open and transparent, like conversations with both my parents about what was going on in my life. I'm not a Christian. Here's why um, I consume, you know, psychoactive medicine, if you will. And, and here's why. And that came with uh, really tough feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a period of time where I didn't know if, if it would uh, be kind of the end of having the intimate relationship that I once had with them. Um, but, it, but I had to allow it to happen because they didn't respond that well. That well to, right. Right. Yeah. Um, now in the long term, they've been able to see me in my life and the fruits of my life and see that I'm balanced. And we have this beautiful friendship. Now mm-hmm. we had a breakup, <laughs> but we have a beautiful friendship now and, and it's required. You know, the other thing I would say as I'm rewriting this program is creating boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to be friends my friends and I want them to be supportive of me as I want to be supportive of them in their life. But that's where the boundary lies. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the, we're just going to be friends here. Um, I also refuse to get into their relationship dynamic. I love them for who they are and what they've done for me, but I am not responsible for fixing in any way their Mm -hmm. relationship and they have a beautiful relationship. So fortunately there's not much, much fixing that's needed. Um, I also had to learn and I found this the hard way through getting divorced with you was that you and I, our health, our wellness and our marriage and now in our partnership is our family. Yeah. And it was weird because I just kind of assumed that you don't really have a family until you have kids. And Mm -hmm. so you're just kind of like, I was still. (laughs) Who made that rule? I know. I was still like (laughs) by default just assuming that I was like part of my family. And so I was emotionally swung between your family and my family Mm -hmm. because of where they would want us. 
you need to be here on Christmas. You need to be here on Christmas. Um, you need to go to this church or you need, and I was just getting like emotionally exhausted yeah. from trying to uh, appeal to the codependent nature of our, our uh, extended families. And so drawing the boundary around, this is our family. This is what we prioritize. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, the, the thing that I would say, as far as rewiring this program with, with codependent parents and codependent relationships with their children is I'm not interested in taking handouts from my parents, even if it's freaking tempting. Yeah. Like I receive gifts from them and I'm open to that, but I have a very intentional reciprocation of the gifting process. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you and I also structure visits with my parents and, and our parents at large in a way that, would be as if our friends were visiting us mm-hmm. instead of like um, maybe, Oh, this is an inconvenience. My parents are visiting or Hey, while they're here, we should get them to do this for us. Mm-hmm. We rather try to curate an environment of fun and yeah. collaboration. And if there are projects or chores, whatever, but it's, it's always done from a place of like, Hey buddy, mm-hmm. I have, th- there's nothing like a love between a parent and a child yeah. and a child to a parent. And that those, those that types of love will never be changed. But I think in the way that you behave as adults, this divorce yourself from your parents is a mm-hmm. critical step in the maturation process. Yeah, because when you initiate that divorce, what you're saying is I am my own parent now. I am making conscious, intentional decisions with my life. Um, and this is this is what I'm doing. I love you, I respect you, but I have to be my own parent now. You are removing that responsibility from them. So if they're no longer your, you know, they're always going to be your parent, but like they don't have that parenting role anymore um, that you needed when you were a child. Now you're on equal footing. Now you actually can be friends. And so I think that that's really what allowed your parents to see you in a completely new light and and mine as well. You know, um, I've done this with my own dad where we have a whole other thing, but I I had to do this as well. I had to divorce myself from the attachment that my dad would ever be X, Y, Z. I had to really show up and parent myself. And now I don't have any like qualms about telling my dad about certain decisions in my life or how, what I'm doing, how I'm showing up because I'm like, no, we're, we're equals. We're good. Um, I don't need that parenting side from you anymore. I love you, but, um, I'm I'm past that. And if you, especially, you know, all of this caveat, caveat, you must do it in a respectful way, in a respectful and loving way. It's not like F you, I don't need you anymore. It's, you know, sitting them down and being really loving and honest and like, Hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate yes. all you've done for me. Um, this is, you know, I'm making my own decisions now and, uh, I, I would love your respect. Um, I don't necessarily need it. This is the way that I'm going, but you know, I just needed to be honest with yeah. you. There yeah. is a right and a wrong way to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. This is a respectful. Thank you. I'm mm-hmm. ready to do this myself. Mm-hmm. Um, your support and your love 
will feel like a warm blanket in my journey. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to use you as the vehicle to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and if, and if you don't, I think I think people talk about it all the time. We live in a, a, a world of entitlement. And yeah. I think a lot of this comes back to this codependency between parents. Um, I think that the successes will feel less deep and satiating if you haven't done them from step A to Z without your parents or without a support structure. I also think that the failures will be easily blamed on someone else if someone else is in a codependent process in the codependent process with mm-hmm. you and you'll miss the chance to learn something. Yeah, everything that you're saying is all about stepping out of the child archetype into the adult archetype. Yeah. And that's scary sometimes, you know? It yep. is like I'm taking full ownership. The ownness is on me now. And that that can be scary and i see why some people don't want to go there but yeah. ultimately that's what needs to happen for you to be a fully uh fully embodied intentional adult in your yes. life yes yeah hey friends i'm changing the subject for just a second to invite you into an act of appreciation If the Medicine Podcast has added value to your life in any way, maybe bringing more consciousness into your partnership, your spirituality, or the products that you choose to have in your house, we would be so grateful if you could take two minutes to write a review in Apple Podcasts. And because this means so much to us, we will send you some of our favorite products to say a big thank you. Here's what you do. When you write your genuine five-star review in Apple Podcasts, before you push submit, take a screenshot and email that to themedicinepodcast at gmail.com. Remember, medicine does not have an E on the end. Themedicinepodcast at gmail.com. Along with your name and shipping address, we will then personally send you a special surprise thank you. It could be Real Mushrooms, Organifi, King Coffee, Keon, or even Immune Intel AHCC. It means that much to us. Cheers and love. All right. Tell me lie number two. All right. So a very, very, very big lie that I believed so much of my life, probably the majority, (laughs) is that if I could just get to a certain physical size, shape, and specifically leanness, that I would finally love myself, that I would somehow be more lovable, desirable, and and worthy of love from others and myself. I believed that if I just ate the right foods in the right quantities and said no to the bad foods like sugar and bread and carbs, that I could control the the outward expression of my health in the form of body composition. And uh, those lies, (laughs) they did lead to me hitting those body composition goals. Um, I, I did get super lean, like size 25 abs showing 120 pounds. Like I met those composition goals that I thought were going to, you know, make me happy. Finally worthy, looked great in a bikini, you know, um, (laughs) but almost every other aspect of my health 
completely was deteriorating and crumbling. I couldn't digest my food. My face was blowing up in acne. I had a rash on half my body. You guys know my story. Like my hair was falling out. Um, I got to this breaking point where I, I knew that something had to change. I couldn't live like this. Um, and so that, you know, over time led me to the truth, which now I fully embody and believe in my life, but it did take some time to get here. And that truth is that real health is so much more than how you look in a bikini or how you look with your shirt off. Right. Um, that body composition is just one tiny piece of the health puzzle. It is a piece, but it's it's a tiny piece. And when we make that our guiding light, you can bet that other aspects of your health, really important aspects of your overall physical health are gonna get trashed. When body composition alone is your guiding light. Like I've talked to hundreds of people that would say the same thing that they led with that. And then they noticed all these other really negative side effects popping up, gut health, um, you know, acne, skin problems, fatigue, hypothyroidism, like so much comes down to us fixating on what we think we should look like, look like from the outside when we're not, you know, we're not really thinking about what the inside, what's happening on the inside when I do, you know, when I live this really like restrictive totally. lifestyle. Yeah. It's funny. The things that show up, um, this is just the way that holistic, uh, health suggests, you know, the infinite intelligence of the human body. It's like literally just giving you check engine oil lights all the time, which yeah. is, Hey, um, your skin's, you know, my skin's breaking out. Hey, you're not pooping well <laughs> enough. Maybe it's all liquid. Yeah. Maybe it's just a, a big old solid uh, that's like, like a ball. It's hard to get out. Um, <laughs> Thank you for those details. <laughs> maybe it's a uh, lack of libido or yeah. impotence. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the inability to have an erection. This is this is pervasive across yeah. young men. Yeah. Um, and the in those cases, your body is not deficient in a a pill or a prescription no. or a pharmaceutical, which is, you know, where a lot of people go, they go to their doctor and they're like, Oh, you're having this symptom. Well, let's turn off that check engine light yep. with this pill. It does that, but you're not getting to the root. You're right. not actually addressing like, why is that happening in the first place? Totally. And, and sleep is another one, you know? And, and so all of these little lights, what's funny is like, that should be the health metrics yeah. are, are these. And, and it's funny because the body will literally tell you, Hey, focus on these. Yeah. Which leads me perfectly into how I have been and continue to rewire my brain. This one I feel really solid in, more solid than I ever have been in my life. And although I know I'm going to continue to rewire if I need to and adjust where I need to as we go through different stages in life. You know, I haven't had a kid. I haven't been pregnant. I haven't had postpartum things going on where I'm like, I need to readdress like how I'm viewing my, my own body and everything. Um, but right now in this moment, I do feel really solid in this. And it started with opening up my mind. When you're at a place where you are completely hitting rock bottom, when you are desperate 
it's a lot easier to open up your mind to new information. It's not necessarily easy to practice all the time, but it's, it's, it is easier to be like, okay, clearly I don't know the answer. I am open to hearing other ideas of, of what other people might suggest or my intuition, et cetera, et cetera. So it started with curiosity for me and I became a student of my own body listening to the communication that my body was sending me the only way that it knows how my body can't talk to me so it sends me signals through these different um, through these different uh, areas of my body or aspects of health my body never lies to me so instead of trying to manipulate my body composition to fit what I think health is or what Instagram is telling me this is a healthy body or whatever it is. Um, I engage in holistic health practices and understand that when I do that from a balanced, intentional place, when I'm truly nourishing my body from a place of love, the shape that my body takes as a result of that is where she wants to be, yeah. right? Yeah. So instead of trying to manipulate my body to fit something else, I nourish it and then love whatever shape it takes. Um, and this isn't just like blind body acceptance, blind body love, because I, I do think that there is a distinction here because I think that we can call it body love and really it is disease. Um, I'm talking about real intentional holistic health practices. Yeah. So I just wanted to make that, you know, truly like really clear. Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about the masculine and the feminine energy uh, on the show. And um, it, w what we really mean is, is the uh, left brain, the right brain, the uh, masculine being left to right, top to bottom, uh, strategic, intentional, um, and, and the feminine being more intuitive, a little more creative, a little more flowy. And so as it pertains to health, by no means is it just like, oh, just only, you know, ask yourself every morning how you're feeling. Because mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a masculine element to this as well, which is like, go get blood work done. Yeah. Go take a look at your your key markers mm -hmm. and, and see where that resonates within you. Mm -hmm. And then it's this mixture of the intuition and the, how's my energy? How's my feeling today? I you know what? I, I just checked in. I think that I could, uh, you know, lift something heavy today. Um, then you can balance that out by going back to the data and looking at something like your growth hormones or your anabolic hormones and saying like, you know what? The last month, as I've been feeling this urge to lift something heavy, my uh, growth and anabolic hormones have actually been showing that they're in a significantly better position. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And so it's this two-pronged approach. Yeah, totally. You're listening to your body's communication and then you are acquiring the tools or the knowledge, say um, it's going through a program or say you hire a coach or uh, someone to help guide you. Maybe it's a doctor or practitioner yeah. to help you like, hey, what are the, the keys to getting healthy? Well, you do need a roadmap. You know, a lot of times like having blood work, having updated blood work is, is a really important piece to the puzzle. Uh, so yeah, that, that leads me to the next 
a point where I'm rewiring, where I have been rewiring my brain is acquiring new knowledge and tools all the time. So when we have an expert on and we interview someone who has this new technology of how to test, uh, how to do a blood test or how to test your hormones, like we're constantly just staying open to that information and checking in with ourselves like, hey, would this be good for me to do? Would this be helpful for me? Staying open to that new knowledge and resisting the urge to say like, oh, I already know that. Or yeah. I have already, I already have done that before. I did blood work three years ago. Like I'm good. Um, and really I, I uh, continuing to understand and, and acquiring this, uh, this understanding that health is not an outcome to be achieved. It's rather a journey through which we can all evolve and learn more about ourselves. Yeah. Like the, the physical body is just a conduit. It's a vessel for us to learn more about, yes, our spiritual body, our emotional body, our mental body, but also the physical body. Yeah. It's so critically important. You can't learn the other things if you don't, if you're not tuned into your health, your physical health as well. Um, and so above all, if I can sum this point up with how I've rewired my brain is I now treat my body like a friend that I want to help. I don't punish her. I don't shame her. I don't, I do my best not to judge her. I treat her like my best friend that I'm like, all right, girl, you're talking to me. What do you need? What can I help you with? I'm, I'm doing my best to listen to you. I'm going to show up for you. What do you need today? I will do my best to provide that for you. And that has been the biggest switch for me rather than treating it like a malfunctioning just set of like levers and pulleys that's not doing yeah. what I need it to do or looking like I need it to look like just treating her like a friend. Yeah. Well, your body's my best friend too. <laughs> and so that making that switch has really allowed me to redefine completely what physical, my physical health expression looks like. So instead of the lie that is physical health is me looking good in a bikini, it's now a bunch of other things. My skin is clear and glowing I can digest all of my food easily. I have multiple healthy, well-formed bowel movements every day. I sleep soundly. I have a healthy sex drive. Thank you with that, by the way. <laughs> my hair is growing long and shiny. My hormones are balanced and I embrace my feminine curves. My skin tans without burning. I feel strong in my workouts. I eat dessert occasionally and have zero anxiety from it. And lastly, this is not exhaustive, of course, but upon waking, I feel excited about my day and what I get to create in the world. Yeah, I love that. That's how I see my health. Yeah, no, that's so awesome. I've obviously been in a similar uh pattern and and had to break away from it so i'm so glad to be in this with you yep thank you for your support all right what's your what's your third lie here Third lie from me uh this is a big one and um there's no way that i can come close to even touching uh <laughs> this one in its entirety so i'm gonna do my best but just touch the tip touch the tip just 
the tip. <laughs> so I was told that God was very specifically our Father who art in heaven, the creator and the source of all things, personified by an image of the all-knowing, all-powerful, fierce, and brutal yet also loving? <laughs> Question mark. Um, divine father, just father yeah. figure, beard, looked like Zeus, maybe muscles. Um, and that this entity had a son named Jesus that was sent to earth to sacrifice himself on behalf of the sinful nature of human beings, which the loving dad created apparently. Um, and they're so awful that, that Jesus needed to come and basically sacrifice himself literally on the cross. You know, everybody knows kind of the Christian story and, um, that's kind of like part one of my, uh, well, belief yeah. that I'm considering not true. After college, I stopped believing this and not just this. I stopped believing in God altogether. I, you know, I, I went to a Christian college where we studied deep into the history of Christianity, the history of all major world religions, um, mostly monotheistic, um, and I just resorted after four years of, of kind of really deeply evaluating some of this stuff. This doesn't make any sense. This is not rational. There are contradictions everywhere in religion. As such, there's no such thing as God. And that we are just a science experiment of unknown origin. No person named God. So you swung from the pendulum swung from this end of the spectrum to completely the other end of the spectrum yeah. where it's like yep. scientific materialist. Yep. So what is the truth that I would zoom back in time and, and tell myself, I would say, bro, God really does exist, but it's not the old bearded white guy who looks like Zeus in the sky <laughs> who sacrificed his son for your sorry ass. Uh, God can be a plant, a relationship, a project, a creative flow, God is everything. God can be the perfect run down a ski hill. It can be those moments in life when you laugh so hard, you dry heave, <laughs> uh, or something that's moved you to the degree that you cry uh, out of gratitude. But God also hurts, and that's okay. Like, it can hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. um, those moments of pain when things aren't easy, when you have physical, emotional, psychological turmoil, are actually some of the greatest God moments. They allow for the possibility of and the proper context for bliss and satisfaction. And there's, there's a lot there, and, and I'm going to get even deeper here um, because this is important to me, and it's a constant rewiring. I'm, I'm consistently addressing this program mm -hmm. because, and I'm going to get into it, I still don't know. Yeah. I've experienced God. And, and as I talk about how I'm rewiring this from the God in the sky to no God at all, I'm in this kind of like gray world of I've experienced God and I've come to understand that I know God. I may not know exactly who he is or who it is, where it comes from, but I've experienced it and I can say that I know it. It's like, it's like we're friends who've just kind of recently met but feel like we know each other forever, although mm -hmm. we're just going to take some time to get to know each other. We're still yeah. getting to know each other. Um, and, and that's the thing is like, I don't know much more than that about God. 
Um, my explanations surely aren't enough. I'm going to do my best to describe how I interact with God. Um, but ultimately, I'm okay with not knowing. And I think that's the point. Mm-hmm. Our mentor, Paul Check, he uses the quote often when he said, when he says, God is an infinite circle, the center of which is everywhere, the circumference of which is nowhere. And which is like, you can meditate on that for like a couple hours. Totally. And it's it's weirdly like, oh, I don't know how to re-explain that, but it also sounds really true. So the the center is everywhere and the circumference is nowhere. Yep. Basically undefinable, yet, yeah. yet real. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, so it's it, it means God is real, surely everywhere, surely felt in any moment, but also unconfined to measurement outside of the standards that we would call you know, laws of nature or laws of science. Um, you know, when I think about this, I have to realize that I will likely never find God through memorizing a bunch of definitions, through reading a bunch of books, um, scriptures, you know, grasping God through reason is something that I just don't think works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what does that mean? It means that for me to articulate God, it can only be just a fraction of what I had have experienced and explaining will never be enough. So I, I actually choose to break away from these definitions that confine God to a written or spoken explanation, you know, like the, the Christian articulation of God with, with kind of a beard in the sky. And I realize that's very much the Americanized version of Christianity. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a beautifully deep and yeah. historic, mystical form of Christianity that actually is quite incredible. That's just not how we were programmed. No, but I find God real through transcendent experience, not reading verses out of a book or looking at evidence for God under a microscope in a lab. I have realized that as I break away from, you know, these definitions that the world maintains about God by default, unfortunately I've become a religious heretic and, and that's another sort of divorcing myself from my upbringing and my programming that I've had to walk through just for being open to experiencing God and having a connection to God without limitations. Um, and, and whatever, some people may get that through religion. It's not for me to judge or be skeptical and that's a huge growth opportunity. And as I'm rewiring this program, it is the refusal to, um, out of bitterness and pessimism, just judgment, out of judgment, completely scrutinize the way that other religions are articulating and experiencing God. Yeah. Hey, homie, did you hear that Organifi, the creators of the best and most delicious green juice in the world, now has a crisp apple version? You guys, it is so dang good. I love the original green juice, but this may be my new favorite Organifi product. The apple taste isn't too strong. It's just the right amount. So green juice crisp apple has all the same benefits of the original green juice with a new crisp twist and refreshing taste and only two grams of sugar using organic whole apple sources handpicked from our home state of Washington. Holler! I drink green juice on a daily basis because the clinical dose of ashwagandha really helps support my body's stress response and cortisol levels. And you know what they say, you're either making stress hormones or sex hormones, not both. So green juice really is sexy. 
To grab your new sexy green juice, crisp apple, go to Organifi.com and remember to use the code MIMIFIT, M-I-M-I-F-I-T at checkout for a hefty 20% off on all your Organifi orders. Cheers and love, boo. But I remind myself that experiencing God is like love. Try to define love. Like the feeling of love for something or the feeling of love for somebody else. It's too intense. It's too uh, incredible. It's impossible mm-hmm. to define. Like, But we all know it's real. We all We've know it's all real. We've all felt love. And, and for instance, like my relationship to you is, is absolute love. And in fact, it's the most profound love that I've ever experienced. I don't even know how to contain myself with it. But if I was to tell people that that was God and that they need to find a romantic partnership to the degree that you and I have in order to know God and experience God, then isn't that limiting? Not everybody finds access to this love through partnership. Mm -hmm. It might be their craft. It might be their work. It might be their family. It might be something else. But if I'm to say, no, that's not, that's not the right love. Mm -hmm. Only love can be experienced through romantic partnership and connection. I'm limiting, I'm limiting love. And I think God is in the same way limited by uh, dogmatic religion. Yeah. Um, Paul says that Paul, again, it sounds like I'm fucking quoting the Bible. Uh, Paul check yeah. um, says that if you want to find out what exactly God is, then you have to do what's necessary to create the environment that's supportive of that, which I think works really well with like, if you've listened to Joseph Campbell at all, what he said God is like, he would suggest that having a peak experience, a bliss experience, you know, flow states, these things that, mm-hmm. that are that are becoming quite uh, quite buzzy and popular, you know, like being outdoors or hiking in nature, doing something that pushes you beyond the bounds of your your perceived human capacity, uh, you know, finding finding flow through athletics. I think he was actually like a collegiate runner or yeah, something at yeah, Columbia. He so he gets these runners high and he's like, mm-hmm. holy shit, that's God. And, and he says, he quite literally says, when you experience ah, and you can't help but say, oh my God, mm-hmm. that's God. Your yeah. soul is literally speaking it. And so it's that it's that feeling of somehow experiencing God, but also feeling like that it's a part of you in the same way, that it's not like externalized and completely separate from you, I think is a critical attribute. Um, so as I just integrate this and rewire this programming of God, Again, like I'm, I'm to this point where I may not ever totally know completely. I'm definitely not going to be able to articulate it completely. So metaphors and beautiful metaphors. If I'm going to study God, I'm more interested in the metaphorical approach to the energy of God or an attribute of God. And, and this is why my rewiring has taken the, the course of um, study through through art and beauty and poetry and allegory and myth. And I find that to be more grand in the explanation of this thing that's undefinable and unexplainable than it would be, um, tr- you know, trying to memorize Bible verses like yeah. we grew up with. And it makes sense because we just, this is going to be a whole nother conversation and podcast episode, but we just casted our archetype wheels yeah. and your first one that is ego and personality uh, basically how you show up in the world is as a storyteller. Yeah. That is your, <laughs> that's your number one archetype that shows up. And so of course the way that you would 
interact with God, that divine spark that is everywhere, including inside of you, is through the storyteller. Yeah. That I, just is clicking for me right now for you. And, totally. and it's like, man, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. And I think the beautiful part about story and myth is that they are beautifully true, mm-hmm. but they're not literal. Yeah. It's a story that never happened, but is happening all the time. Yes. And so that's where I choose to rewire the idea that the literal words of biblical Christianity are real and cast myself beyond the short sighted idea that because we don't know there's nothing Mm -hmm. and choose to receive the energy that is the divine. Yeah. I rewire and choose to see everything as God through creation, through self-expression. I focus on experiencing God through our relationship. Absolutely. And the bliss states that we get to create in our own discovery of this freaking mystery. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's also through connection with nature. You know, I think in my life it's, it's looked in different ways that I look back on and go, wow, I think that was God. And I wanted to lean into more of what those can be. You know, I, uh, basketball used to feel like God in the way that I define God now. Water skiing still does, man. That, that shit is bliss. Um, <laughs> making music, making art, experiencing community, experiencing um, the collective as it vibrates through something like ecstatic dance or through something like mm-hmm. sound healing. And as our friend Ryan Meeks would say, anything that brings me closer to love, yeah. I think I can kind of rewire myself through this relationship with God by finding those lanes and those experiences that bring me closer to love. So that's my long-winded, probably stumbled and jumbled approach to explaining how this journey about uh, my understanding of God has, has taken shape. Yeah. I mean, we could obviously talk for hours. I think you did a great job of summarizing that and how you've transitioned and rewiring your brain is, is, um, yeah, it's, it's really cool to witness, but then also hear you articulate as the storyteller is, is really fun too. It's not an easy question. You know, we ask this question to our guests all the time. How do you interact with God? What is God to you? How do you define God? Which is sort of a paradox, even in the question, how do you define God? We, you know, have more of an understanding that it's like, it's something that is undefinable, yet we still try. And and I was hesitating to bring it up into this conversation today because I just know that it's so, so tough to explain, but I can't help but look back on my life and see that if I wouldn't have rewired this, um, one direction would have been, I think, just a very limited view by only accepting the Christian version of God and Jesus as the way, the truth, and the light. And it would have felt very inauthentic to you. For sure. But the other would have been this short-sighted, nihilistic approach to there being no divine purpose, intelligence, experience, that would have left me like I was in my 20s, cold, pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Not, not too much, not too little. The way of the Tao. I got to hear from you. What is, this is your last, last, yeah. last lie. Last lie. And this was a big one. And, and it's really a lie that bleeds into every other aspect of my life. And that lie is that, love of myself was only possible 
when I behaved in a certain way, when I achieved something, and as I discussed earlier, looked a certain way. And, you know, I think sometimes there's this like practice of people who are like, you know, you need to love yourself. And like self-love is this big buzzy, you know, term right now that's oversaturated and misunderstood. I think, um, you know, you hear this from people, coaches where it's like 10, write down 10 reasons why you love yourself. And you sort of say them as like affirmations, right? You know, for example, I love myself because I am generous because I am intelligent, because I am kind, because I am honest, because I am beautiful, because I am tough, et cetera, et cetera. Like whatever so I get to have is. wine in the bathtub tonight. I think that's usually like <laughs> self-love is like treat yourself day. Well, what we're doing when we do that, like it sounds benign and I'm not, I'm not totally shitting on this. Like I, I think there can be some value in that, like speaking into ourselves, but What's going on behind the scenes, the thing behind the thing that you may not realize is that now your ego is attaching itself, it is attaching external situations to your love capacity. So now your lovability is contingent upon what you produce, what other people see, how you behave in the world. Okay, well, what happens when you're not kind, when you're not generous, when you slip up and you don't sound intelligent, when you're not, you don't feel so beautiful, uh, when you're not honest, like what happens then? Now your ego, and this was true for me, is there to show up real quick and tell you a completely different story. And this came out... (laughs) so aggressively in my 20s and in our marriage. Um, You know, I thought I deserved self-love because I was a good wife, because I was honest, uh, because I have a good heart, because I'm a good person, et cetera, et cetera. Like all these just like fluffy things. Um, So when I was unfaithful in our marriage and didn't show up, as honest, as kind, as loyal, as a good wife. Well, again, now my ego had a completely different story to tell me that I was unlovable, that I didn't deserve anyone's love, that I was untrustworthy, that I was a monster. Like these were literally things that I was telling myself. And it was such... (laughs) It was such a pervasive lie that I believed and it really like sunk its claws, sunk its, its roots deep in me. And I will say that like I'm still rewiring this because when those memories come up, I feel the scars. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so this is going to be something that I hope it's not, but it could be an ongoing lifelong journey for me. Yeah. But the truth, those are the lies, the truth that I do know on a fundamental level, even if I have to remind myself from time to time is that, you know, going back and if I could talk to myself when I was learning these lessons in a, in a really aggressive way is that when you don't feel love for yourself, you are simply knowing yourself wrongly 
that love of self is not something to be learned. It's not something to be uh, taught how to do. It's something to be seen. It's something to be realized. It's something to become aware of that love is our true nature. And we can acquire shells, barriers, and get out of balance to the point that we don't see that. But it doesn't mean that that love inside of us that is our nature went anywhere. It's just that there are these shells and barriers to us seeing it in the correct light. So, you know, going into how have I started to rewire this very deep, harmful lie Uh, First is an understanding that feeling a a lack of self-love is only due to a lack of self-knowledge. And instead of continuing to live in guilt and shame and judgment of myself, I started to become curious. So curiosity is the key. It's like the the person you know sticking the key into the lock that that mode that that uh, behavior takes curiosity and so we have to lead with curiosity about ourselves which then opens the door to compassion which then for me led to realizing that i was seeing myself wrongly that i wasn't a monster that there were reasons why I chose to do what I did, why I am the way that I am, and why I have the programs that I do. There's a reason behind all of it. And shaming it is not the answer to change. It's actually coming from a higher perspective of yourself and seeing yourself in a completely new way. And to explain this a little better, I have this little story that I wanted to share. So if you're having a hard time, you know, if you're listening and having a hard time like putting this together, I think the story will help. So just imagine with me that you are a teacher and you teach the second grade. I would never be a teacher of the second grade. (laughs) Because you don't like teaching, right? Not because there's anything wrong with it. (laughs) Right. I would be an awful teacher. (laughs) Okay. So imagine with me though that you are, that you're a teacher of the second grade. You have a great class. You love your kids. It's going great. Uh, But there is one kid in the class that just seems to be a problem child. He's a bully. He is disrespectful. He mouths off to you in front of the whole class. He's just not like the other kids. And you're really curious. Like, you're just so frustrated. Like, why is he like this? This is so frustrating. I I can control everyone else in the class except this one kid. So you decide to get curious and you, you ask this kid to stay behind one day in, in, after class. So he stays behind and again, you lean into curiosity and you start asking him questions about himself. You ask about what he likes to do, his home life, his hobbies, and you're just genuinely wanting to understand this kid more. And you know, through your questions, you realize you, he tells you that you know, his, his dad isn't around very, very often. And his mom works two different jobs. She's not around much either. And when the, when his parents are there, they're fighting a lot. They say mean things to him. He doesn't have any brothers or sisters. So you get this picture that there's 
other things going on that are contributing to how he's showing up in your classroom. So now you're linking things because of your curiosity. It leads to compassion for this little boy who's just misguided. He's unbalanced and he's not experiencing love anywhere else in his life. Then you realize that, oh shit, if I would have led with shame, judgment, guilt, blame for this little kid and leaned into like punishment, that's not going to fix anything. What this little kid needs to change is love. He needs an example of love in his life. And I paint that picture because it's easy to see or to imagine a a child needing love, but we don't realize that that's in all of us. We have a little child in us, in all of us, that needs love and is wired a certain way because of certain things in our past. I'm not blaming it on that, but we we need to realize that there is a reason why we are the way that we are. And when we lead with curiosity, that opens the door to compassion, which then lays the groundwork of any change that we want to make in our life. It la- the, the foundation, the soil is now love, is knowledge of self, which then leads to loving self. So the missing link from annoyance, frustration, shame, judgment for the things that we don't like about ourselves or how we're showing up in life is knowledge. Nothing about you is random. There's a reason why you do what you do. There's a reason why you are the way that you are. And when we become curious, we can uncover more of ourself, which then can lead to real change that's rooted in love. Because when our change, when the changes that we want to make is rooted in shame and guilt and judgment for ourselves, that's, that's painful. And we as humans naturally are averse. We avoid painful situations just by nature. So if the root of you changing and evolving is flogging yourself, that doesn't feel good. We're going to shy away from that. We're going to avoid that. But if we go through curiosity, compassion, and lay the groundwork of love, that feels better to our nervous system. We're going to be more likely to make sustainable changes that can last longer. Yeah. So I want to end with um, a quote from my friend, our good friend, Christina Rice, from her first book, Manifestation Mastery. And she says, the more you understand yourself, the more in touch you are with your soul's desires, the more you will realize that you are naturally led down the path of most ease and grace and flow. The more disconnected you are from yourself, It's like having a master teacher living in your house your whole life and never speaking to them. I love that visual, like picturing that there's a master guru living in your house and you you don't know it and you never speak to them. You never ask for their advice. You never ask for their guidance. That's you. All the answers that you're looking for are within you, but it takes us getting curious first to realize that we have those answers And we're the only ones that have those answers because we're the only ones that have insights into our past, our programming, where we come from, all of that. No one can guide you in that way like you can guide yourself, but it has to start with curiosity. So again, wrapping this in a nice bow, the lack of love that you feel is simply because you are knowing yourself wrongly. Totally. 
Oh, nailed it. I love that. Uh, so much of, you know, what we've talked about is, is, uh, you know, there's some stickiness in the rewiring and, and identifying that you've been living lies in a lot of ways. And, um, but once you realize that, I think the, the path becomes a little bit more clear. So like in all of this, I wanted to close with a, with a quote from Marianne Williamson. I just love it so much. And I hope, I hope it's found inspiring. Uh, this is from her book, a return to love. And she says, our deepest fear is not what we, that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Mm, come on. I love that. I love yeah. the line of there is nothing enlightened about shrinking yourself or being playing small in the world. That doesn't help the world. Yep. Playing into your childhood programming and some of those patterns is staying small yeah yeah well i hope this this uh sharing <laughs> quite vulnerable sharing on our part is inspiring for people even if you're not going through the same exact things i would guess that many of you have gone through the same exact kind of journeys that we have and gone through uh received the invitations to these lessons and rewiring but the framework is the same no matter what the lesson is it's becoming aware that you're not experiencing what you want to experience yep. and then just tuning into those patterns. Again, going back to the young Pueblo quote at the, the top of the episode is like just realizing that you're in a, a negative pattern or a toxic pattern or a pattern that you just don't want to experience anymore. That in and of itself is growth. Yeah. And then from there, acquiring the tools from a curious and compassionate and loving place for yourself and the little child within you paves the way for you to create what you actually want. Um, and then, you know, getting to tell yourself a new story, um, I think is the goal. Totally. So whatever the lesson is, that's, that's the framework, I think. Totally. Yeah. Love it. Before we go. Yes. What my love is your medicine of late. My medicine is... I had a great lift this morning. Mm. I'm just going to keep it simple. And I, I, you know, go through cycles sometimes where I'm like feeling more yoga or I'm feeling more morning walks or, you know, I'm in a cycle right now where I, I feel really good and strong lifting and in the gym and everything. And, um, I'm just leaning into that. I'm appreciating my body, everything that it does for me on a daily basis and just wanting to nourish my muscles with, movement with tearing <laughs> and, uh, you know, lifting heavy. And it just like, it just starts my day off in a really good place. And then from there, I'm like, I already did something, probably the hardest thing that I'm going to do all day. And everything else is kind of downhill. And, and it just gets your mood into a place where 
it's it's um uplifting and yeah. i know you get it i'm preaching oh, yeah. to the choir but yeah i'm just i'm just really grateful for my body and um so movement and specifically lifting is my medicine right now oh, i totally get it most days i i get out of bed because i'm so excited to move my body and start exercising it's just mm-hmm. i just love it so much it is just so available to us all the time, everybody. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. What about you, my love? What is your medicine? Well, I'm going to say that my medicine of late has been um, on the opposite end of the day from from yours. And I've just enjoyed our evening routine um, lately where we, you know, we wrap up dinner and then we blow a bag of uh, just incredible organic herbs and essential oils and uh, we take it out on the, our deck and we just sit there, um, you know, ha- having a, a vaporizer bag with, you know, a bunch of incredible herbs and adaptogenic, you know, substances. And it just like opens our mind and we have mm-hmm. amazing conversation. And uh, we, we talk about so many things that end up, you know, in show notes for the podcast. Yeah, it's true. Um, but it's just so fun. And it almost feels like a creative project just to go out mm-hmm. there and like, talk about the meaning of certain yeah. things and, and we watch um, for aliens too. We look for aliens as well. Uh, <laughs> we invite them in. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we're, we've been, we've been really intentionally focusing on finding some, some alien craft, if you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's been my medicine. I, I find that just so nourishing and it's so, um, calming to my nervous system, mm-hmm. uh, before I go to bed. So I love it. It's yeah. medicine. It's medicine for me too. Mm. so good guys thanks for hanging in there uh we want to hear from you let us know this will be on youtube so you can let us know in the comments yeah um hit us up on social uh on instagram i am the underscore chasen underscore one and uh happy to hear from any of you what you thought about the episode yeah i'm at at mimi i'm at at Mimi underscore the medicine and our DM doors are always open. But yeah, if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube and you want to leave uh, a comment in the comment box, just, I would love to know like what is a lesson or what is something that you're rewiring yeah. in your brain right now? Or, yep. or maybe this got you thinking about, you know, something that you could rewire or that your intuition has been nudging you to rewire. Yep. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. All right, you guys, thank you for hanging with us. We'll talk to you next time. Go spread some light. Okay. Bye. Hey friend. Thanks for listening. Did you hear anything today that expanded your mind, made you laugh, touched your soul, or caused you to think differently about this topic? I hope so. I invite you to share this episode with someone you love. It takes 30 seconds and has the potential for a great ripple effect. Our world needs more people having real, honest, and open-minded dialogue on big topics. And you never know, you may just change their entire day. We love you and appreciate you being here with us. Cheers.